Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Ambassador Vivian Berkovich uh, joins me, former Canadian ambassador to Israel. She joins us from uh, Tel Aviv. She's the publisher of the state of Tel Aviv on Substack. And the uh, ambassador in uh, her podcast just had an interview with a mother and father of a 23-year-old badly wounded Israeli hostage taken by Hamas. Lots to talk about. Uh, Ambassador, thanks for coming back on the program. Can I start with this? Because one of the lead stories was today, or is today, that Hezbollah fired a barrage of rockets into northern Israel. Uh, what's going on? Is there a widening of the war inevitable in, the, in this case, in this scenario? Well, I can tell you that, uh, and first of all, hi, Roy. Happy New Year. Welcome and to back. you. Yeah. Um, hope your voice too, your throat doesn't hurt too much. Um, so, yes, there was uh, a, bit, a barrage of rockets uh, from Hezbollah to various communities in the north. And, yes, they hit a much wider area, and they also went further south um, than they have to date. So, you know, the million-dollar question is, um, will there be a kind of widening of the war? I think most people feel that it's inevitable. It's a matter of time. And what's the mood in Israel? If I were to ask a um, cross-section of Israelis a question, and, and that would be, how do you personally feel, or how are you personally reacting to the war against Hamas and looking ahead over the, over the next year anyway? What, would, what, what responses might I receive? Um, I think that it would obviously depend who you talk to, but kind of as a broad bandwidth, what would, you know, what would most people say they would express um, just tremendous sadness and despair, disbelief at the level of hatred that is being shown towards Jewish people and Israel throughout the world. And I have to say that Canada, which usually does not factor into these um, discussions of global geopolitics, has absolutely astonished Israelis. Like, they're just like, what happened to Canada? But that's another thing, another story. Um, and I think that um, there's a lot of uh, frustration and rage, frankly, at the government and the IDF um, for, because of what happened on October 7th and what continues. I mean, you know, people's lives are beyond uprooted, destroyed. The economy is a complete, in complete chaos. The country is sort of functioning, but not really. We're at war. Um, but there's this additional layer here of this incomprehensible hatred and flipping of the table in so many places of people and governments and communities blaming the Jews for what happened and not actually protesting that, no, 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 wait, this has come up. They started this thing. What do you expect Israel to do? Just roll over and take it. And so the disbelief and the shock are profound. I can't overstate that. Yeah. When I was speaking with uh, Lori Goldstein in the last half hour, I read a, a tweet that I put out this morning, which I honestly, yeah. Ambassador, didn't expect a great deal of response to or reaction to because there was much going on. Mm -hmm. But it occurred to me that I really should do this. And the response has been, 
really, really strong. The, the, the tweet or the X, I don't know what to call it anymore. Truthfully, it reads this way. Truthfully, did you ever imagine the Jew hatred today exhibited so openly existed in Canada? Did you ever imagine Canada's prime minister uh, who professes his commitment to diversity would so weakly, if at all, respond to calls for the annihilation of our and his fellow citizens? There was immediate response. And I've received emails on it, and the, the response is on Twitter, at the Roy Green Show. Um, were you aware, I mean, I wasn't, but were you aware, was, were other Jewish Canadians, or Jewish Canadians generally, aware that the Jew hatred that is so openly exhibited today actually existed in this country prior to October the 7th? Yes. I'm, really? Yes. I mean... What I will tell you is what did surprise me is there are two things that have kind of shocked me. One, maybe three. One is the virulence um, and the, the, the velocity with which it spread in Canada and other places. So I'm not surprised at all that it was there. I've always felt it, and I can give specific examples. But it was like this forest fire just gone completely out of control in within a minute. Um, I think that, you know, obviously one's view on that particular issue, you know, did we think there was anti-Semitism? Um, that's going to depend to somewhat on your personal experience, but I think anyone who was paying attention, you know, understood that uh, there was anti-Semitism in Canada as there is everywhere else. I've always been of the view that it's, much stronger in Canada than in many countries, and I think we're seeing that now. Um, and the other thing that didn't surprise me, but how open it's become, is uh, what I call, you know, institutionally entrenched anti-Semitism. And I think we're seeing that in school boards and the way in which they're simply not reacting to Jewish students being bullied physically, verbally. Um, like classic hate behavior. Um, I can speak to, uh, there are many incidents in the Toronto District School Board that are, the administration is just not doing anything. Um, Ottawa has similar issues, and I expect that they're across the country. And you don't need Jewish kids in school to also have bullying. Um, it's being taken out on teachers. And there's some really serious incidents. Um, and of course, I only know of a few, but it's more than enough to make your blood run cold. Um, and I had, of course, you know, extensive experience when I was ambassador working with, uh, you know, public, nonpartisan professional public services, I like to call themselves, in the Department of Global Affairs, Foreign Affairs, whatever its name is these days. And um, the entrenched and hard-baked cultural anti-Semitism in that department has always been known in Ottawa. But I got to tell you, I was in in the belly of the beast and it was brazen and it was really, really fierce and ugly and it shows. So, uh, I listened to the interview that global news Ottawa bureau chief Mercedes Stevenson did year end interview with prime mm. minister Trudeau. I want to play you a bit of that interview and it begins with Mercedes asking the prime minister a question. You'll hear the question. You'll hear his answer. 
You changed your position on on Israel uh, over the course of the last couple of months. You were initially very pro-Israeli, Israel's right to defend itself, um, and you've since decided that a ceasefire is is necessary. What led you to make that decision in your change in position? Let me be very clear. We haven't changed our position. From the very beginning, we talked about Israel's right to defend itself in accordance with humanitarian law and the need to protect civilian lives. What we've seen over the past nine, ten weeks is uh, an evolving humanitarian catastrophe that requires us to continually shift in our approaches. We we were among the first countries to call for humanitarian pauses, uh, and we're now uh, calling like much of the rest of the world uh, for work towards a ceasefire, but a ceasefire that can't be one-sided, a ceasefire that continues to recognize that Israel has the right to defend itself, that Hamas must lay down its arms, release hostages, not use humans as shields, uh, and understand that there is no future uh, for Hamas in the governance of Gaza, particularly as we move towards a two-state solution where you have a peaceful, secure Israel alongside a peaceful, secure, viable Palestinian state without Hamas uh, in charge. That's where we need to get to. That has been Canada's position from the very beginning, and that continues to be our position. We are responding as necessary to events as they unfold as time goes on. Ambassador? Yes. What would you like me to say? I mean, he's, um, he, he obviously is not getting very good briefings from um, his National Security Advisor, Privy Council, and uh, Foreign Affairs staff um, because he seems to be in this alternate universe. It's just not real. He's all over the place. You know, his position seems to be we advocate for a ceasefire. We modify our position based on circumstances on the ground, and the evolving humanitarian catastrophe causes us to advocate and press for a ceasefire. And then he goes on to stipulate what the terms of that ceasefire would be. You know, Hamas. And they, well, that's been Israel's position from October 8th. Go talk to Hamas, Prime Minister Trudeau. Go talk to Qatar. Because... First of all, Hamas has great uh, admiration for, for Justin Trudeau for making that call for a ceasefire. Um, when he states that, you know, almost all the world is, is also, you know, calling for the same, that's not true. Um, and there are many countries in Europe and the United States as well uh, that understand that a, a ceasefire, a complete ceasefire is just not real. It's not realistic or it would have happened. Hamas isn't going to lay down their arms. This is an ideological movement. It's an Islamist death cult. They are working towards the establishment of a caliphate worldwide, just like ISIS. It's just incomprehensible that someone of his stature, the Prime Minister of Canada, just carries on with his rainbows and unicorns and, and refuses to deal with reality. Everyone in Israel is horrified by what is happening with the civilians in Gaza. And I think every decent person in the world, it is a catastrophe. But it is a catastrophe caused by Hamas. Hamas started this war. Hamas has oppressed its, its own people for 
you know, since 2007, when the aid trucks are going into the Gaza Strip and convoys, you know what happens the second they cross in? Hamas terrorists hijack the aid trucks with guns and shoot civilians and kill them if they need to. They take all of the supplies for themselves and they leave the civilians to starve. Every bit of criticism from Prime Minister Trudeau's mouth should be aimed squarely at Hamas. You know, the, I, have to, I, I have to take a break here, but one of the things that he said, I don't expect mm. to hear from a prime minister. And what he said was, we continuously, this is what he told Mercedes, we continuously shift in our approaches. <laughs> you can't continuously shift in your approaches. As a nation, you should and must be consistent in your approaches. You can modify, depending on the circumstance and the evolution of a situation, but you can't say we continuously shift in our approaches. That just sounds too convenient. Ambassador, we have a few minutes left. Would you please talk to us about the conversation you had uh, with a mother and father of a 23-year-old badly wounded Israeli hostage taken by Hamas? Sure. Um, the young woman, her name is Romy Gonen. She's 23 years old, and she had been at the music festival um, that Hamas attacked with a few thousand young participants, and she was with her best friend. Um, she was taken hostage uh, and very badly wounded. Um, I spent a lot of time over the last few weeks with her mother, Marav, and her father, Ethan. And uh, those interviews are going to be dropped one tonight on my website and uh, one in a few days. It's beyond heartbreaking. I don't even know where to begin. I really would urge your listeners to listen to the, the interview tonight that I'm dropping or afternoon your time with uh, Mirav Gonen. She was on the telephone with her daughter almost, almost four hours continuously as this horror was unfolding and she was trying to hide from the terrorists and and then um, in the last few minutes when she could hear gunshots um, being shot at the car in which Romy was traveling um, and shouting in Arabic and then the phone went dead. And her heart stopped and she said time stopped and all their lives stopped at that moment. And she talked about the efforts that they have been engaged in for now 91 days straight, nonstop, meeting with anyone, the Red Cross, government officials, visiting officials, anyone who will see them. Uh, one of her children, her daughter, um, 18 years old, went to the UN to advocate for the release of the hostages. Um, her father just, you know, it, it's everything you would expect. Just they can't comprehend this horror. They know that at A57, um, there were some hostages who were released on that day, and they did see Romy in the underground tunnels, and her wound had really deteriorated, and she was receiving no medical care, and they're worried for her life. And he's, she's being held, they're being held, probably most of the remaining hostages in, in dark, dank tunnels, 40 meters below the surface of the, of the ground. There's, there's very little air, there's no light, um, obviously no hygiene, um, Many of the hostages who have already been released speak of uh, sort of chronic starvation, uh, and that was almost 40 days ago, so I'm sure the situation is much worse. Her parents are 
it's just extraordinary to be in the presence of these people who somehow hold their lives together. They have four other children to take care of and advocate fiercely, just so fiercely. Yeah. It's very humbling, very humbling. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.